a crate of bioengineered marijuana winds up at a strip joint after a drug deal gone bad, bringing with it a renegade DEA agent and a swarm of monstrous critters, just what owner Ralph and dancers Crystal, Trix, and Amber need as they struggle to save their club from shutting down. An exterminator is called in to thwart the infestation, but quicker than you can say Roach Motel, these oversized insectoids groove. They are made of tougher stuff. The club is under attack by a stealthy, skittering invasion of big, bad, bloodthirsty bugs, and there's nowhere to run, no place to hide, and not a lap dance in sight. And when the DEA heavy falls victim to a hungry horde, you can be sure he'll be back. But he might not be quite human anymore. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. Bros. Here we review B-Movies and other low-budget films as critically as we possibly can. We are broadcasting from Millvale Studios on the River's Edge Network. And on this week's edition, we bring you the 2004 Shockarama cinema release of Bite Me. So you heard what was on the back, and now we're going to take a look at what is on the cover. Uh, from the cover, we've got looks like a mutated um, monster type of guy. We've got some kind of um, bug monster and some kind of uh, spider with a weird looking face. And next to them, we've got... Uh, two of the women in the uh, movie, uh, one holding a gun, one um, and dressed like an, like she's in the army, and the other just kind of grabbing her arm, half naked. Yeah, can't forget that part. So, looking at this movie, looking at the cover, and reading the back, what do you expect going into it? Strippers. That's all. Just just strippers and bugs and monsters, but mostly strippers. I'm thinking maybe the army and a group of strippers join forces to fight off an infestation of giant bugs. I could see that. That'd be pretty epic. But mostly strippers. So let's get into uh, some character talk here. There's not not too many characters in this movie. We've got first off the owner of said strip club, and his name is Ralph. And Ralph is uh, very... Interesting. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, we got a couple of the strippers. We've got Crystal, who's the, the sympathetic and caring stripper. She's a little timid, doesn't seem quite comfortable on stage. We've got Amber, who's the, the lazy stripper. She just kind of does her own thing. Lays around, smoke, smokes pot, and strips. Living the dream. And then we have Trix, who is just like this innocent, has no idea what she's doing stripper she's she's there to try and make some money but she's not committed to it the worst stripper ever like her act doesn't work we've got Teresa, who's a woman trying to take over the strip club she's a royal bitch and a half plan is to take over the strip club we've got gina the bartender who is the easiest person to sleep with in the club she uh, kicks ass, she takes names, she gives out drinks. And fucks a lot. Then we've got the exterminator, Terrence O'Reilly, who's also known as Buzz. He's not very smart and gets embarrassed pretty easily. I think if, you're, if, your, nickname is not, if your nickname is Buzz and you're not Buzz Aldrin or Buzz Lightyear, you're probably a bit of a stoner. 
And then finally we have Miles McCarthy, DEA. The crazy homophobic asshole who's investigating the strip club, trying to find this stolen marijuana. And that, that's, that's it. That's the characters. Not too many of them. Uh, we're, we're just going to get straight into technical difficulties today. There's not much to this story. Basically, you've got the strippers. They're stripping. Teresa's trying to take over the strip club. Amber finds pot in the basement. Bugs come out of it, start attacking people. They call in the exterminator. He does his thing. Miles shows up, tries to kill everybody. And uh, giant bug showdown at the end of the movie. Pretty much. I don't know why, every time you say take over the strip club, it's like, I think of it as like this menacing thing. Like, I will now take over the strip club. What are our plans tonight, Paul? Try to take over, same as every night, try to take over the strip club. That would have been an interesting episode of uh, Pinky and the Brain. We're going to jump straight into, uh, does it match up? What the cover art shows you, what the description is, and the movie. Um, not really, because the main point, I guess the main plot was the spiders taking over, like, biting people and, and changing their personalities, but you've got this monster guy and that, um, you have this mo- green monster-esque guy, obviously a mutated kind of man. Or an evil professor yeah, of some or, kind. Or an evil professor. Or a giant cabbage. He kind of looks like Davros from uh, Doctor Who, minus the, um... The um thing that he's in, the chair. I'm still saying a cabbage with eyes. I could see that, yeah. Or a Cyberman. But um and you've got this bug guy, he's not a spider spider, he's some kind of other bug. And they were in the movie, like don't get me wrong, but they were not as big as the spider. So to just have the spider in the very back just seemed weird. Like I I think to to do a more accurate job is have like little spiders like located throughout the uh the cover. I think that would be more appropriate. Also, um, they've got the two the two girls, but like they're wearing way too much clothing. And also, it's it's misleading. I think the main story is actually them trying to keep the strip club, not necessarily the the bugs, but the the Teresa trying to take over the strip club is more of a story than the bug thing. I I disagree with that. I think that kind of fell by the wayside when, with everything that happened. The whole trying to save the strip club, plus like. The strippers didn't care that much. Like one of them was already getting fired. Um, the other ones, I kind of felt like they're like they were there, but they would have found other jobs. So it was basically just um, the guy who owned it who was pissed off, but he was pissed at everything. So yeah, it was just kind of him. Yeah, default anger. So time for technical difficulties now. Like we started last week, this is going to be a top and bottom three of this movie. So, do you want to start with the top three or bottom three? Let's start with the t- start with the top and kind of move our way down. So, Paul, give us your top three about this movie. Okay, I can do that. Um, I'd say at number three, um, the dialogue in this movie was pretty good. It was fun to watch. There was really no point where I was like, where I shook my head and I'm like, ah, that's terrible dialogue. They're trying too hard. I, I I enjoyed it, even though. I don't think there were the best lines in every any movie I've ever seen, but it, it was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Um, th- on number two, I'd say there was a stop-motion monster, which is just amazing. I know you're always saying that stop-motion and uh, claymation and all that stuff is a lot better, and just using props is a lot better than CGI. I agree with you, and this really proves in that. Because uh, when you compare this to the CGI spiders to the um, stop-motion monster, it, it's... 
It's like the comparison of diarrhea to a regular piece of shit. Basically. And I'm still going to contend that CGI isn't inherently bad. It's just like, it is nice to see things that are that are claymason or stop motion you know that people worked really hard on it it is fun to watch no matter how you are traditional yeah it's traditional um and number one is the fact that the strip club was a giant dinosaur that that was just amazing it was just um when what's the um the um special features they took a godzilla doll like changed it to so that you couldn't tell it was godzilla and then they just made that they put a door on the side and made it a strip club, and that is just fantastic. Like, that that made the whole movie for me. So my top three, uh, kind, kind of the same. Um, for number three, I have the final fight scene animation. It was hilarious. It was awesome. It was epic. You had this giant bug creature, and you had a Buzz beating it with a two-by-four, and it just all worked so well. Oh, Definitely. Something that I don't think you could have done with with CGI to look the same way. I think that the look of it kind of helped with the movie because it was a low budget movie. It was not. It was a movie that wasn't meant to be taken seriously. So you've got this obviously fake monster. It just kind of made it more fun. Um, then for number two for me was the strip club. The fact that it was dinosaur themed. That was only number two for you. That was number two. Oh, well, number it, one. It was, it was dinosaur themed. They had the giant dinosaur out back. Uh, there were a couple dinosaur statues strewn about, not the parking lot, but beside the building. Um, number one for me was Ralph and Miles and how over-the-top their characters were. They, their, their personalities just screamed, get me out of this movie. I can't argue that one. Like, they were just I- insane. Ralph was pissed off at everybody and he let everybody know it. And Miles was just batshit crazy. I, I like that. I mean, when a guy is trying to shoot a doll, uh, when, when he calls the bartender a dyke and then orders another drink and then has, has like, a Mexican standoff with her. Yeah, it, that was pretty great. You know, thinking that he can win. I, I just, I, I love it. It was so over the top, too. It was just a lot of fun to watch. It's like he was drilling everybody, and it's like he came at, he was in the completely the wrong movie. It was just great. Like, who the fuck are you? Miles McCarthy, DEA, and I'm shutting you down, motherfucker. Like, he was the um, bad cop that was, like, questioning people, but he forgot the good cop, and he forgot that he was at a strip club and not interrogating somebody. So, yeah, those those are my top three. The the fight scene, the strip club being dinosaur-themed, and the the characters. So, let's let's hear about your bottom three people. Bottom three. Let's depress some people here. Okay, so for number three... This one's at the bottom of of the um of the bottom list, I guess, because it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but still kind of um I didn't really like it. it there was an open ended ending, in which they show the strip club burn down, and then there's a giant spider there. But personally, I would have liked to have seen the giant spider do something rather than just end the movie on that. I mean, I I see where they were coming from, which is why I didn't make that number two two or one, but. I personally didn't really like that. Um, for number two, um, I think that since you had spiders uh, biting people that changed their personalities completely, the two str- the two strippers, uh, Trix and Amber, had the most, I guess, prominent characterizations, them and the, um, the investigator. 
and they weren't bitten at all. They just kind of went throughout the movie being themselves. And I thought that was what was the point of making them so prominent in their personalities if you weren't going to if you weren't going to reverse it the way you did with the other ones who had personalities but they weren't as defined they weren't as stringent and everything i thought that was kind of weird like tricks was really clumsy if she'd been bitten like she would have been completely opposite um amber was a stoner so obviously if she'd been bitten she would have been completely the opposite of that but yet gina who didn't really have an established character yeah exactly she got bit and it went from her being a whore with men to being a whore with women. She she went from being straight to being a lesbian. Yeah, you'd think she'd be really prudish after that or something. It was just very odd. Like um, that that, that was for for the fans. They just wanted um lesbian makeup scene. And then Crystal, like she went from being n- not prissy, but being like a girlyish girl to being this tough badass, kicking ass and taking names and chewing bubble gum and all out of bubble gum. Yeah, and it was strange because, like, she, you would expect that from Trix because her, she was more the timid, like, clumsy one, and Crystal was, you know, nice and kind, but her personality wasn't as extreme as, like, Trix's, so I didn't see the point of them really going that way with their personalities, just to have nothing happen with that, I thought that was kind of weird. I also would have liked to see the, um, the investigator get bitten by a spider and see how he would have changed, that would have been really entertaining. But my number one, and this one really annoyed me, you have a dinosaur-themed strip club, yet none of the strippers have a dinosaur-themed act, and that bugged the hell out of me. Like, um, none of them had, like, a, um, I don't know, had, like, a dinosaur helmet or, like... Or a tail. Or a, yeah, or a tail. Or, like, a scale bikini or something. Exactly, and I should not know this, but I found out recently that there is such thing as dinosaur porn. I did not look this up, I swear. Somebody told me about it, and, you know, you Google things when you hear about it. I, I'm just a normal American, and... All I have to say, Paul, is rule 34. Well, true, true. If it exists... But this, there's porn of it. This is a like a pretty apparently like widespread fetish where people enjoy watching dinosaurs and humans fucking, and that is really odd. But it's a real thing, and the fact that that exists, but none of these strippers could, I don't know, at least attempt to dress as dinosaurs. Come on, like what, what's even going on? What kind of world is this? No, I have to jump straight into mine because actually that was number three for me. <laughs> really, number three on my bottom three was dinosaur themed strip club. No dinosaur themed strip acts. So we're just, I'm just going to keep rolling here. Number two was continuity errors. There were uh, more than one. Um, one of them being during the stripping scenes, they would have you know faraway shots and close-ups, and they would switch between them. And in the close-ups, you could clearly see that clothes were off, tits were hanging out, and then they would go to a faraway shot, and the clothes would be back on, back to a close-up. Clothes are off. Like a big F you to the audience. Yeah. So I just, you know, that, that bugs me. Continuity errors. It's like you know, little stuff. Eight, eight heads in a duffel bag. You know, when they're threatening Joe Pesci at one point, the guy's got a gun in his belt. It cuts away to Joe Pesci. It cuts back to that guy. The gun is gone. It's nowhere. They cut to Joe Pesci. They cut back to him. The gun is back. No explanation. Continuity errors. Bullshit. I agree. Number one was... The god awful CGI in this movie, like uh, I, I thought it was kind of funny. Like just I had it to was so low budget in college use this program called Alice to create like a digital story, and you know, like 
the characters don't match up with the background. They just kind of like are moving on screen and they try to make it look like it's actually doing something. And that's what happens in this movie. Like they're crawling on people, but obviously they're just going straight and not like crawling up them or going around things or actually biting them. It's just ha- something two-dimensional happening in a three-dimensional world on top of it. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like if they had actually used good CGI or anything else, it would have been kind of, I don't know if well, it would have And remember, worked, too, really. this is 2004 that this movie was made. That's true. And so, everyone was still, ooh, CGI. CGI wasn't as big as it is today, and it was also more expensive to do things that looked nicer. So, and with a movie with a budget of $1 million in 2004, I think they did the best that they could. $1 million, wow. Yep, $1 million was the budget for this movie. This so that's my three. My bottom three. No, no dinosaur theme stripping, continuity errors, and, and the horrible, horrible, horrible CGI. I have to say, when you have a strip club and you have a strip um, scene and you put more clothes on the stripper that's just mean like why would you do that and you know what since you you thought the dialogue was so good let's get into a have your best shot paul all right here i go it's my sworn mission to erase scum like you from the earth the guy on the phone well you're very sweet honey but you don't feed the g-string crystal it's kind kind of hard to get too upset about anything when you're comatose. Also, Crystal. Hey, don't push me. I know a lifer named Rogue who's looking for a new sweetheart. The man on the phone. I don't want to talk to nobody about these bugs, especially not, not to a trashy blonde with a voice like a cheese grater from Ralph. The little bugs. She killed one with her shoe, for God's sakes. You act like you're in some kind of 1950s horror movie, giant bugs knocking houses down. We can handle this. Also, Ralph. Ralph did have the best lines in that, I think. And, and that's it for our Quote Wars this week. Uh, don't forget to tweet us at Bros, all one word, and tell us which quote was the best and who won this episode's Quote War. You can also find us on Facebook at our Facebook page, Bros. Um, what else is there to say about this movie? There's, there's really not much else. I already said it had a budget of a million dollars. Um, the, the one trivia thing about this is, uh, Misty Monday, the actress who was originally, well, who, who was the, the main character, Crystal, which was originally supposed to play Amber, and she didn't get that part because at the time she had quit smoking, and it was required for Amber to be smoking in a lot of the scenes. Yeah, well, since you mentioned it, I think we should probably, uh, mention, uh, Misty Monday a little bit, just because she's, um, for those who... Watch a lot of B-movies. You should know who she is. So Paul's going beyond the real and talking about Misty Monday. Also, her, her real name being Aaron Brown. I think um, Misty Monday is probably one of the most well-known B-movie actresses, at least that I can think of. And she's been in a decent amount of movies we've seen. Most of which are softcore porns. Pretty much. Actually, one of the first movies we saw together... Um, in a big group was Lord of the G-Strings. Which was essentially a softcore porn. Version of Lord of the Rings. Yes. Starring Misty Monday as uh, Dildo Baggins. Is it Dildo Baggins or Dildo Saggins? It was Dildo Saggins. Yeah, I knew, I knew there was a pun on that. Like, you know, With Smirnoff the Wizard and, and all those other fun characters. At least it wasn't Yolo Swaggins. So, yeah. 
she she's been around in a lot of movies. Um, she she worked her way up from doing just kind of like softcore porn and everything, and she really stands out in this movie. Everybody else you can see they're they're okay actors and actresses, but Misty Aaron she she really shines, and that that goes for anything I've seen her in. Like she's definitely above the talent level of where she gets cast. And it's kind of sad. She's an actress that's just fun to watch. Like, she'll take a role and really kind of go with it. And, I mean, none of them are really great roles. None of them are well-developed because they're B-movies and they're softcore porn. So, but she just makes it fun to watch. And you, like, that's partly because she's fun. To, she's a fun-to-watch actress. Partly because her, the name Misty Monday just kind of sticks out in everyone's name. Also, she's kind of hot, too. So. Very hot. Yeah. I, I think, at least. My fiance might be listening, so I won't say. Well, way. My my wife listens every week, and uh, whatever. Well, you're a she braver knows. man than I. So, let's get into our final take on this movie. So, I want Paul. I want you to give me a, a score on the shot scale, one to ten. Remember, folks, that our shot scale is a reverse scale. One being the worst, ten. No, sorry. One being the best, ten being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this movie? Paul, just a number score. I'd say for a number of shots to get through this movie, I would give it a four and a half. All right, well, I'm going to go and say a five out of ten. So five. I'm going to give you 90 seconds to justify your score. Go. Okay. This movie, it's definitely a B movie. It's... You can, no one can watch this or even look at the cover or go into it thinking that that anything is going to happen that doesn't really happen. I mean, I like I said, I think there should have been more. They they should have had if you have spiders that change personalities, they should have gone with the other with the other um, strippers that had more prominent personalities. I I still don't know why they did why they did it the way they did. There are definitely decisions they made that I completely disagreed with, but eh, it wasn't my movie, and I still had fun watching it. There, uh, even though I enjoyed the dialogue, at no point was their dialogue where I'm like, ah, man, that's dumb. And with a lot of B movies and even a lot of A movies, um, I still enjoyed it. I was entertained through most of it, but I definitely felt like I needed a drink through uh, the majority of the movie, mostly because it made it more fun. But also, it did drag on a little bit just because it was so pr overly predictable. So that's about it. All right, well, for me, I give it a 5 out of 10 because Bite Me really isn't anything special. It's got some fun characters. It's got nice practical effects mixed with cheesy CGI and stop-motion special effects. The place where this movie shines is its characters, though. You know, they do interact well. They have wonderfully diverse personalities. You know, the bug bite personality-changing aspect gives the lead actress a, a chance to basically play two different characters. She, above all the others shows great potential and acting ability. You know, when you add all this up, it, it, it leads me to my 5 out of 10 score on the shot scale. It is cheesy and fun, but it's also pretty forgettable. If you really like bug movies or stripper movies, then it's definitely one for you to check out. Uh, otherwise, that's it. I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, I think you summed that well up. You summed that up really well when you said there really is nothing special to it. It is pretty forgettable. Except like, Misty Monday. Oh, yeah. But, like, she's she's in so many movies we've seen, so many B-movies, that this one didn't particularly stick out. I think, um, 
Lord of the G-String really stuck out more than this one, but... Well, even even Shockorama, I, that that sticks out more in my mind than this. That's true. It's like, this was a fun movie. It's a B-movie. You know exactly what you're getting into, but there really is nothing special. And the it. fact that I, I've seen this movie a total of four times now, and it sticks out less in my mind than Shockorama and Lord of the G-Strings and Spider-Babe, which are all movies I've only seen once with her in them, and Sick Girl... And I could probably go on naming them, but, but we're not going to get into that. Instead, we're going to get into one of our favorite segments here, A Movie Companion. Because, you know, we know not everybody here likes the same kind of shit that we do. So we want to give you the opportunity to see a movie that's basically the same movie, except it's an A-class movie. So we're going to tell you why this A movie is just a different version of this B movie. So for me, I have to say that this movie is... that. This movie, Bite Me, is just a B-movie version of the movie From Dusk Till Dawn, 1996. From Dusk Till Dawn? You mean that Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez vampire movie? Yes, I do. And here's why. Both movies start off with a set of criminals. In From Dusk Till Dawn, you've got George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino, the Gecko Brothers. In... Bite me, you've got two stoners who stole a bunch of weed. They're both a set of criminals. Both movies primarily take place in a strip club. You know, this dinosaur-themed strip club in Bite Me. The Titty Twister, a Mexican strip club, in From Dusk Till Dawn. Both have people transforming. In From Dusk Till Dawn, people transform into vampires. In Bite Me, people into bugs and opposing personalities. Both movies end... Spoiler alert. With the strip club exploding. Well, I, don't, I, I can't quite remember if Drum Dust on this, the whole strip club explodes or just all the vampires. I know all the vampires, at least. I never actually saw that movie. And both movies have a badass bartender. In From Dust Till Dawn, it happens to be Danny Trejo, who, as everybody knows, is the most badass person ever. I agree. I wish he was my bartender. In Bite Me, it's Gina, the straight whore-turned-lesbian whore who kicks ass. And that is why this movie, Bite Me, is just a B-movie version of From Dusk Till Dawn. Okay, for my A-movie companion, I'm going to have to go with one of my favorite movies, Army of Darkness. And What a piece of shit. Aw, oh, fuck you. That's one of the best movies I've seen. But here's why. I feel that Bite Me had a lot of the same elements as Army of Darkness, but could have used more the way Army of Darkness did. First of all, as far as like personality... You mean bad lighting? There's nothing wrong with Army of Darkness. It's a perfect movie. You mean Sam Raimi getting soft? You mean less blood? You know what? Fuck you, (laughs) fuck you, and everything you say. Army of Darkness is one of the best movies ever, and if you can't appreciate it, well, you're un-American. It's a worse Bruce Campbell movie than The Man with the Screaming Brain. You're a worse Bruce Campbell movie than The Man with the Screaming Brain. I'm not a Bruce Campbell movie. Exactly. So, here's why. First of all, Army of Darkness had a ton of stop-motion animation. That's what made it really fun. A lot of the jokes involved that. It was, um... Almost all the all the skeletons, at least, were stop animation. A lot of the deadites um, were stop animation, stop, stop motion animation. Bite Me had just very little of that. In fact, the only one was the monster at the end, 
But let's face it, stop motion animation is awesome no matter what time period you're living in. I remember as a kid, like, I had this really crappy camera and I used to make, like, little stop motion um, movies with, like, just things I'd find. Like, I'd even use clay, but clay dries out and gets all over the carpet and whatever. But back to what I was saying. Then Paul gets spanked. Yeah. He's trying to be a mo- make a movie. So, that's one thing. Army, like, um, Army of Darkness had some of the best one-liners in any movie I've ever seen. Because they couldn't think of, you know, dialogue that actually matters. It was meant to be that way. It was a joke. It was not taking itself seriously. Anyways, so... Almost lost my train of thought. But anyways, Bite Me had Just some Just like good- Army of Darkness? <laughs> so, um, Bite Me had some really good lines. But it could have used a lot more. I would have liked if they had like more one-liners, especially when they're killing all the spiders and everything. I thought that would have made the movie... That would have stepped it up. Maybe I would have done with that with like one less shot, or at least um, a half a shot. Um, as far as people changing changing their personalities, you had that with the spiders. They bit a couple people. They changed their personalities. The same thing happened in Army of Darkness, except it happened with two main characters. There was obviously... Um, Bruce Campbell's character, or um, Ash Williams, who, he didn't really change his personality, but the, one of the dead acts became Bad Ash, which was completely different from Evil him. Ash. Evil Ash. Well, you're good Ash, and I'm Bad Ash. I, that, that's, either way, Evil Ash, Bad Ash, the both of them work. But, um, and then there's Sheila, who got possessed by it, and she became completely evil, and they weren't completely opposites, but it was fun to watch, and the same basic principle of it. And as far as Bite Me goes, there was an extreme lack of Bruce Campbell. And I think that is something that every movie could probably use more of. I mean, granted, Army of Darkness didn't have any Misty Monday and probably would have benefited from that. But I feel that Bite Me would have done better with Bruce Campbell. And, of course, I have to say this. Army of Darkness begins with an A. Bite Me begins with a B. It, it, it was just, it's meant to be. You know, for any of you Army of Darkness people out there, kind of like Paul here, I do have to explain why I hate Army of Darkness so much. Because you're a bad person. It, it's because I love the Evil Dead so much and Evil Dead 2. And Army of Darkness, where Evil Dead 1 and 2 are primarily horror movies with comedy thrown in, Army of Darkness is primarily a comedy with action and horror thrown into it. And just... Having seen Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 several times before actually seeing Army of Darkness, it just didn't stick with me. I I don't like it. I can't get into it. But it was meant to be that way. It was meant to be funny because the a lot of the things in um, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 with the clay animation, they were pretty goofy. But especially the end of um, Evil Dead 2 when he's like got his one liner, he's got his chainsaw arm. It was just taking that and going with it for like the next movie. So I see where they were coming from. Maybe they should have warned people. But in itself, it is a fantastic movie. I, I understand, but I, just, I, I can't get behind it. I'll try to see your point of view. But... So... I think it's time for everybody's favorite game. It's time to drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. Right now, we're going to give you some fun drinking games. I'm going to give you a few. Then Paul's going to give you a few to help you get through this movie. So if you want to get through Bite Me, here's the first game. 
If you spot the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt, finish your drink. Number two, anytime Amber does something unexpected, take a drink. Number three, whenever someone is smoking, take a drink. Number four, whenever someone is stripping, take three drinks. And number five, anytime bugs attack someone, take a drink. Okay, for mine, I've got number one. Every time you're disappointed with a stripping scene, take a drink. Like, that's if they're wearing too much clothing, if it's just a complete letdown, take your drink. Every time, number two, every time a spider is shown that does not bite somebody, take a drink. Because that seems to happen a lot. And number three, every time something in the background looks like it was somebody's Halloween decorations, take a drink. So there you have it. There are your games to drink away the flick. Now, next week, we have to talk about next week. We may or may not be doing the 2004 zombie movie Feeding the Masses, which not only came out the same year as this movie Bite Me, but it was released by the same company, Shakarama Pictures. But this weekend, Paul and I, are, are, are my wife, his fiance, some of our friends from college, are going on a camping trip. And then next week, something amazing happens. We A movie we've been waiting for quite a long time is coming out in select theaters on Tuesday, August 4th. And we have to see it, and I really want to do our review on that particular movie. And what is this particular movie, Paul? This movie is Dragon Ball Z Resurrection of F. And it is the newest installment of the Dragon Ball series after last year, for those of you who don't know, a new Dragon Ball Z um, film came out after 16 years of nothing happening called Dragon Ball Z Battle of Gods. And this is the sequel to it. So that one of my favorite shows as a child is coming back, and it is coming back with vengeance. So I believe in, we're going to do a little bit of a break from the B-movie stuff and talk about one of the best things in life, Dragon Ball Z. Also, next week, we are planning to take a trip to Centralia, Pennsylvania. For anyone that doesn't know, Centralia, Pennsylvania is a mining town in the state of Pennsylvania in the United States of America, where in 1962, some of the coal miners set fire to a trash pile. Well, this trash pile caught one of the coal seams in the coal mine on fire. And eventually, parts of the town started to collapse, and the coal is actually still burning today. The town is abandoned. Um, There are seven or less residents left. The postal code has been revoked. It's a ghost town. And one of the neat things is the ground is warm because of the coal fire. And there's enough coal to be burning under there for the next 200 to 250 years. And because the ground is warm, anytime it rains, anytime it snows, the, the snow melts, the rain evaporates, and it becomes this eerie fog. And even in the winter, flowers can bloom and everything else because there's heat and warmth coming from underground. And actually, Silent Hill, the town Silent Hill, is based off of the town of Centralia. 
Um, there's also a book, Vampire Zero, which is based... Actually, the story takes place a lot in Centralia. That's where the vampires are hiding. So it's exciting for me and for Paul uh, to be visiting this place. And we might talk about Dragon Ball Z, Battle of... Or, or Resurrection. Resurrection of F, which is Frieza. We might talk about Centralia. We might talk about Centralia the week after, depending on when we record our episode. So... We've got a lot of stuff going on next week, so it's going to be fun for us. We might do a B-movie. We might do a Dragon Ball movie. We might report our deaths from Centralia. Who knows? Yeah, there's a good chance that next week's um, week's podcast may be our last, depending on whether or not we survive our trip to Centralia. So here's to hoping. So, I mean, that that's it. That That's all we got this week. So uh, until next time... I have to say, be brave, be alive, be back next week. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Bros, all one word, and like us on Facebook at Bros.